this gospel gives us two primary purposes. First, John's gospel sought to confront individuals with the life and claims of Jesus in order that they might surrender their lives to Christ. So it's very evangelistic in nature. The first purpose of John's gospel is evangelism. And so the second purpose, uh, the second is, uh, is to translate, may believe, you can really translate that as may continue to believe, which would uh, intimate the purpose of not only winning individuals to faith in Christ, but also strengthening the faith family that is already walking with Christ. And so twofold purpose, win souls, the second to lead Christians to a deeper walk with Him, right? And so that's an incredible uh, season that we're going to go through walking with John. So John's gospel seems to go on the assumption that everybody has read or heard the history laid out in John in the three gospels, right? So Matthew, Mark, and Luke have all set out kind of who Jesus is. They've told the story of His birth. They've told the story of His life. And so John has given us a different perspective coming from this whole different idea uh, and he's dealing with some things that the Gnostic disciples decided they wanted to claim, like Jesus wasn't really God. Jesus wasn't divine. And so he deals with some of that in his, in his gospel. <clears throat> and so, here, there's a, so this series is a four-part series. We're going to go the four weeks of December. We'll end uh, on Christmas or the day before, whichever. Christmas? We're gonna, okay, Christmas it is. And so the first one is in the beginning. The second is prepare the way then true light, and then the Word made flesh. And so that'll be Christmas week. By the time we wrap it up, you should be very convinced of the divinity of Jesus, recognizing the doctrine of the Trinity, and understanding the evangelistic nature of John 1, and how God has given us the gift of life to share with the world. So this is like one beggar telling another where to get the bread, right? We're not special. We're not holy. You know, the Israelites in their day thought that they were a cut above. That's why God picked them. In this day, we know we're a cut, and God loves us. And because He loves us, we get to share the bread with a lost world, okay? And so, as elders, it's our hope that through this series and the season of hope, you will see the grace and truth of His divine nature combined with the humility of His humanity, that His grace triumphed over the law, and God has made visible to mankind, answering the question, what is God like? So, the creator of everything came down from heaven with all his power and authority and sovereignty and humbled himself to become a man to die on a wretched cross because he loves you and me. I hope in this Christmas season that you ponder what this truth means to you, to your family and to your neighbors. What does it mean that God, that the God of the universe, chases after me? All right, John 1, 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen? All right. <clears throat> so, uh, in, in the first years after Christ died and went on to heaven, there was all kinds of controversy in that day of who Jesus was and was He God, was He divine, was He any of that. And I just want you to know that 2,000 years later, we're still having the same arguments. We're still having to defend the divinity of Christ. 
the Gnostics didn't die and go away. They just changed to millennials or whatever, right? The next generation of doubters, whatever that looks like, okay? And so we have many false religions that claim all kinds of things. Islam uh, claims that he was a prophet. Judaism says he was a good teacher, right? Jehovah's Witness say that he was created by God, the Son of God. Mormons actually glorify his physical body, but he has one purpose, and so kind of creating a polytheistic kind of a nature, right? And so they all have this viewpoint of Jesus, and the one viewpoint that says that he is divine is the Christian faith, that he is God, and he is one with a Father. And so that's an incredible walk that we get to look at. And so my three points today um, are simply this, preexistence, the that Jesus is preexistent, he's powerful, and he's the uncaused first cause. Okay, and we're going to walk through those very slowly um, because there's lots of notes here and I don't want to miss anything. And so as we look at John 1 and uh, verse 1 and 2, it says, in the beginning, which tells us right away, we need to go look somewhere else. We need to go check something else out. And we're going to go there in a minute. That would be Genesis 1. You, you recognize that? Does that kind of ring a bell with you? In the beginning, something happened. I don't, you know, we'll look at that. So then it says, was the Word. So this Word, what I want to do is I want to establish who this is. Because seemingly when you read it, it seems like this Word is a person, right? The Word, uh, it says, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we have this this looks like a trinity here, right? So could this possibly be Jesus? See, the word for word is logos in the Greek. And that has the understanding. Uh, it first carries two meanings, first a Greek meaning and then a Jewish meaning. So that there's two ways to kind of understand logos. And so first, the Greek, it's an impersonal, abstract principle of reason and order in the universe. It was uh, kind of in the same sense a creative force um, and also a source of wisdom. So kind of an indescript something out there. You ever heard that before? There's something maybe out there, a little Gnosticism. Yeah, So or agnostic. So this idea of something out there, a source of wisdom. And then the Jewish idea is very clear, very, very personal, very intimate. It says, it is the God, it is God the Creator, or the Word of the Lord. And so literally, when um, you would, they would hear Logos, they would think the Word of God whether it was spoken or read or whatever, that word is God, okay? And so it kind of carried that idea. He is word, and uh, he, and what, he and his word are different and the same at the same time. And so it kind of creates this um, conundrum of thinking and, and overthinking and trying to grasp the idea of God. And right, that's kind of the Trinity for us, right? When we think about Trinity, um, was, was, is Trinity in the Bible? You see that word anywhere in Scripture? It's not, is it? It's not really there. But the idea settles heavily in Scripture, right here being one of them. But we can even go further back and look at a time when it was established first and foremost, and that would be in Genesis. So turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Keep your finger in John 1. We'll come back. Genesis 1, 1 through 3, it says this, In the beginning, sound familiar? Recognize that? Okay. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit 
of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Incredible, right? And so the idea of the tree, maybe you're saying, I see God. I see the Holy Spirit. Where's Jesus? Well, look at verse 3. It says, God said. Remember, spoken word, the word of God. That word is Jesus. And so there he is right there. Let there be light. By the way, what do we call Jesus? Light of the world, right? Yeah, that's an incredible uh, word picture for us to understand. And uh, just informational, I'm not uh, a scientist or a biologist or a quantum mechanics physicist or any of that, but I have some ideas, uh, not of my own, that quantum mechanics tells us that without light particles, nothing that is made could be made. So looking at this and understanding what's happening here, was carries, the word was carries some predictors, but also in the beginning tells us a time, right? So in the beginning gives us a time, and John is speaking specifically about this time, the time of creation, right? That's a set time in history that was created. Now, was there time before the creation of the world? No, no time. That it was, it was nothing. There, God created the heavens and the earth. And you'll see later, if you read through the creation story in Genesis 1, you'll see where God creates the sun, moon, and the stars for the keeping of seasons and time, right? That's the whole purpose of creation is to set time for man, that there's a timeline to walk with. And so Scripture says that Jesus was in the beginning. So in the beginning sets a point in time, was says before that. Was tells us that before in the beginning was. Something was. Jesus was in the beginning, just like God. Him, God, and the Holy Spirit were hanging out outside of time looking at the world, looking at his creation as he creates it, right? All of this is preexistent to the world. So Jesus is preexistent. He exists outside of time, right? And then he comes into time. He joins us in the timeline. He leaves heaven. He leaves eternity, joins us here on the earth as a baby, lives as a man. Incredible that God would leave heaven and come to earth. Now, maybe you're not getting that. Maybe you're a little slow to the punch here, but it's okay. It'll come on, all right? And so John is telling us Jesus was in the beginning when everything was made. He was there. He was hanging out, him and God and the Holy Spirit, creating as it goes along. And that's a beautiful picture to understand that this person who joined us in time has always been here. He wasn't born all of a sudden as a man. Then that wasn't his time of existence. His time is preexistent. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what's to come. And so with that carries the idea. So we work through um, verse 2. It says, he was in the beginning with God. And so that's a clear statement that in the beginning he was there to create. And then we get to verse 3. We're going to look at his power. It says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So what we get here is John kind of giving us um, the negative or the positive and the negative way to say Jesus was there in the beginning. So he first says this, right? He says, all the things were made through him. Very positive, right? 
all things made through Christ. Then he states it negatively, kind of as, as a reiteration to help understand he was there. He says, without him was not anything made that was made. So if light is not possible, isn't that what quantum mechanics tells us? No light, no nothing, right? So something created from nothing is incredible. Only God can do something like that. From nothing, he creates everything. So that's an incredible, that's incredible power that comes to us. And so just to kind of support that, I want to look at just a couple of scriptures. We're not going to break them down. We're just going to read through them uh, and go on. But it's the idea that God is all-powerful. <clears throat> Psalms 102.25, Long ago you established the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Isaiah 45.18, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, He is God. Who formed the earth and made it? He established it. He didn't create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Wow. He formed it to be inhabited. That's beautiful. Mark 13, 19. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. Now, that's a frightening thing because we know that Noah's uh, flood happened in history. So what's to come is still uh, t- more terrible than that. Romans one twenty five. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Tells us something about us, doesn't it? Revelation 4.11, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So looking around the world, you can see, looking, looking at the stars, when Hubble created the, te- the telescope and looked out into the darkness, he saw lights brilliantly lit up in the sky that we couldn't see before. The magnificent glory of God was revealed to him through that eyepiece to look into space, through, the, through all of that that happens out there that we couldn't see before. What a beautiful picture of the power and majesty of God, that he's out there creating and putting these things out there for us to see his amazing power. <clears throat> John MacArthur says this, By stressing the role of the Word in creating the universe, John encountered the false teaching that later developed into the dangerous dangerous heresy known as Gnosticism. The Gnostics embraced the philosophical dualism common to Greek philosophy that held that spirit was good, matter was evil. They argued that since matter was evil, the good God could not have created the physical universe. Instead, a series of spirit beings emanated from him until finally one of those descending emanations was evil and foolish enough to create the physical universe. But John rejected that heretical view, strongly affirming that Jesus Christ was the Father's agent in creating everything. We kind of see that today, don't we? We kind of see the the foolishness of man trying to describe what happened in the universe as something from nothing. Only God can do that. If that's their argument, they have to take a position that something out there came and created it. And we're going to look at that here in a minute. This power to create here in verse 3 tells us 
uh, two more proofs of his deity. First, the creator of all things must be uncreated. We'll talk about that in a minute. Second, only the eternal God is uncreated. So um, there's a couple of uh, words that go on in here. Uh, Emmy, the verb stating uh, to be, right? To be. Emi, I think is how that's pronounced. Emi. So it, it means um, to be, to, to, to have always been. It's that idea that nothing created it, it's always been, right? And then you get uh, genomai, came into being. That, that Greek word is to come into being. Something was created there. And so those two, those two words tell us um, the, the proofs of who Jesus is. So he wasn't created, and he's always been. Incredible. And so that's kind of the power of God to create because he has always been. Listen, that's amazing, and I don't understand it. Right, So it's near impossible for me to explain how someone who did all this creating has always been. I don't get it. And that's where our faith comes in. That's where we step into faith and say, you know what? God's God and I'm not. I'm going to trust him. Right? So we're going to walk in that. So then we get to argument number three. It says, uncaused first cause, the argument from cosmology. That's a big word. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's uh, an apologetic term. It's how do we defend our faith from the standpoint of creation. Um, and so we're going to take a look at that. Cosmology is the science of the origin and development of the universe. Verse 4 tells us this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. How about that? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We see that in, in Genesis, right? In Genesis 1, where God creates everything, then he creates life, 4, 5, and 6, where we see life coming into, or 5 and 6, day 5 and 6, we see life coming into the earth, and specifically man, where he breathes life into him, right? An incredible time in history when we were created. And so, verse 4, um, this is the God who has always been, there is no need for him to be created since he has always existed. He is the uncaused first cause. He is the one outside of time and able to see all the created order in the timeline that he's created. And so that's uh, an amazing um, way to look at God, to defend our side of the story when we think about um, creation, how things happen, right? And so some, some different words here um, from from life. Word, the word uh, in the Greek is zoe, and then the other one is bios. Zoe denotes a spiritual life, whereas bios denotes a physical life. That's where we get our word biology from, right? Biology meaning life, and so the, or the study of life. And so, um, so that denotes a physical life. And in verse 4, when he says here, in him was life, that life is a spiritual, it's beyond the physical, it's a spiritual life, the Zoe life that's, uh, that's outside of the physical creation. And so that life he later gives to men, breathes into man. Uh, and then, uh, then there's a spiritual rebirth, right? When we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, that spiritual thing happens. This gives us some hope when we think about um, Jesus and him being spiritual and all of those things because Scripture also tells us that we are the um, imago Dei. What does that mean? That's Latin for 
in the image of God, right? And so we're created in the image of God. And so this is a beautiful picture of creation, of being image bearers. And so we have the ability to receive this spirit life and go on into eternity with a holy God. And so being image bearers, that's available to us. Animals don't have that ability to go on forever into eternity. Now, I don't know, maybe God does something supernatural with your pet and they get to be in heaven with you. How cool would that be, right? We got Rover in heaven. Um, But I don't know where that is, but I know who will get to heaven, and that's you and me. We have the ability for not us, Jesus through us, we can be in heaven with a holy God because of what he's done for us, because he died on the cross and ascended into heaven. He didn't get caught up in hell. He ascended. He broke the gates of hell wide open, went home to be at the side of the Father, and he's preparing a place for you and me. Exciting. And then verse 5 says this, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I like this because I, I have a picture in my head of kind of how this works. And so first, let me start with this picture. If we shut all the lights off in here and close the doors and it was pitch, it would be pretty dark in here, right? It would seem uh, hopeless. There's no way out. And all it would take, though, to bring hope is what? For you to turn your cell phone on. We don't need a match or, you know, candles. Everyone in here has a cell phone, right? Raise your hand. Don't do that. Um, you have cell phones. Turn the light on. Boom. What happens to the darkness? I thought it was engulfing us. No, it has to flee. It has to run. It has to go away. It can't stay where the light is. So that's one picture of what Christ does in the hearts of man, where he he emanates the light of life into us and through us. And so the darkness must flee. And then the other picture that I like, um, it's a little little weirder, but um, when you go into a kitchen, right, uh, and it's dark and pitch in there, and maybe it hasn't been tended to like it should have. Maybe it's got some issues, and you know, you turn the light on, and all of a sudden you realize, why is the floor moving? And it's the cockroaches headed for the corners, right? You ever been in that kitchen? Not at your house. I'm not saying that. Don't take this personal, right? I'm not swinging at you. I'm saying that when we turn light on, the cockroaches got to run. When Jesus radiates light, the darkness has no choice. It's got to run. It can't stick around. It has to leave. How hopeful is that for us? And so, intellectually, light refers to truth. And 2 Corinthians 4, um, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of, of Christ who is the image of God. And so intellectually, there's truth. And what we see is when light is revealed, truth comes forth, right? When when light is around, the truth of who God is and what's happening around comes in vision. Now, the the opposite of that is darkness uh, refers to falsehood. Romans 2.19 says, And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. So in order for us to lead people to Christ, what do we have to have? 
Okay, light. I'm going to give the answer. Light. It's easy. Light, right? So then morally, light refers to holiness. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says this, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? I mean, so morally, um, light is holiness. How beautiful, right? And so when we receive the light of Christ, we receive holiness. We become more holy. And that's a process, right? Paul says, work out your own salvation, right? That's the idea that um, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but I still got to let a mess with me. I'm still pretty broken. I got some stuff that I got to work on. So it doesn't mean that you're set pure, righteous, holy, clean, that your life is cleaned up. Although when Jesus sees you, when God sees you, that's how you look to him. You're holy and righteous because of what? The blood of Christ. Yeah, the blood of Christ cleans us up. And that's, that's a beautiful picture of the, of the graciousness of God. So then darkness refers to sin. I'm sure you guessed that. Darkness refers to sin, morally speaking. Proverbs 4.19 says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. So I'm sure you've been wandering around at night in the backyard trying to find the dog that you let out to go to the restroom and they're hiding and you're trying to find it and you caught the lawn chair that you forgot was out there, right? Tripped and ended up in the ground. We'll go with that. And so, yeah, um, incredible what God does with us. Okay, so... The darkness, it says in verse 5b, it says, the darkness has not overcome it. So this is critical, too, when we think about darkness, when we think about what's going on in the world today, and we look around and we see the heaviness of the air, the heaviness of the situation between humanity, amongst people, how conflict has entered into life, and it seems to be so unsettling. Darkness, hear me, darkness has not overcome the light. Hope, hope, beautiful. So Matthew, when we look, so when we look at some of this, um, some of your Bibles, um, maybe you have a King James or New King James, some of your Bibles may say comprehend instead of overcome, right? Because in verse 5 it says, uh, and the darkness has not overcome. Maybe yours says comprehend. So let me, let me just kind of challenge that a little bit as kind of not such a great uh, translation here in this, in this moment. Because think about the darkness. What's darkness? That would be the enemy, right? And so Jesus is walking around. Um, I can't even say this word. Gardasins? Gar, gar, that place where the crazy two people were, the crazy guy with the demons in them, Right? And when, that when he walks up to Jesus, when he sees him from afar off, he begins to yell at Jesus, are you here to torment us early, son of God? Does that sound like they're confused? Does it sound like they're, they don't comprehend who Jesus is? Does it sound like the demons in hell don't know who God is? No, they know exactly who God is. Matthew 28 and 29 says this, And when he came to the other side to the country of Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs so fierce that one, that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? 
have you come here to torment us before the time? Now, they, they know full well who God is. So comprehend is really not a great translation here. Overcome is, though. Have, have those demons been able to overcome Jesus? I mean, if that was so, then why would they come talking to him about, are you here to torment us? Can, can, can someone that you can overcome, if someone that you can beat up, someone that you could take in a wrestling match, if they could overcome you are, are you, are you asking them about, are you here to torment me? Yeah, no. You're looking at them like, okay, next. So it's the idea that the darkness hasn't overcome who God is. <clears throat> Jesus is the incarnation of God. This idea that the preexistent, all-powerful, uncaused, first cause, has come into the world as a man, the incarnation, to save us and set us free from the mess we're in. This is, this is a funny time of year. This is a funny season where things are a little sideways, where it's, it's an awesome time. We're excited about the Christmas celebrations and all of the things and all of the gatherings and seeing family and, and all of that, and, and it's a joyous time but there's a lot of people with a lot of stuff that's going on. For example, my brother's in the hospital dying of cancer, right? And many of you have dealt with the, the dreaded C, right? And so there's, there's some of that going on. And some of you have, have dealt with depression in this season where, where suicide is, is a real thought, is a real consideration because of the pain that you're in whatever that looks like, or you know someone who was. And so this season is conflicting where there's great joy and great pain. And Jesus can set us free. The incarnation of God on the earth will set you free from your mess, set you free from your disease. Now, I'm not saying you'll be healed here, but ultimate healing is being able to get to go home, get to go home. Now, my concern with my brother is that he doesn't know who Jesus is. And so Romans 1, 18 to 21 says this. For the wrath of God, excuse me, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by unrighteousness, by their unrighteousness, sorry, suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. You know, it's not that the world doesn't comprehend God. It's not that the world doesn't know that there's a God, that they don't know that there's a creator. It's not that they don't get that something out there has pushed the button and created it all. They make a choice to not believe they make a choice to reject God. Now, maybe you're thinking about the people in 
Brazil in the rainforest or in um, Saudi Arabia and those places. Maybe you're thinking about those people and thinking, well, maybe they haven't heard the word. God says, all of creation tells my story. There is a God. And that alone will cause the hearts of men to seek God because he first sought them, right? No, what does it say? What does scripture say? No, no one seeks after God lest he seeks them first. So they're not going to come after God till he reveals himself to them. And even then, rejection, right? And so thinking about who God is and how he works and thinking about the incarnation of who God is and why he's come. Let me ask you this question. Why does, this, why does any of this matter? Okay, Jesus came into the world. So how does that impact me in my brokenness? How does this impact me in my addictions? How does this impact me with my struggles and strains and, and the thoughts of um, fear that I have? How does, this, how does this help me? So we're talking upstairs to the, the children's workers and very excited that they're up there working with your kids. Um, and so we get, when we get hyper-focused on our mess, when we focus in on how broken we are, right? And we think, gosh, how, how, do, I, how do I get fixed? How can I get over this mess? And we start to just focus in on that mess. We forget to focus on what really matters. And what really matters? Only Jesus. Only Jesus matters. And so the scriptures tell us what? Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, right? That's put everything you are into loving him. I'm going to ask you a question. Don't answer. Think about it. Have you done that today? Have you put all of who you are into loving him today? And then it says something else. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Whoa, there we go. Jump the gun. All right, I like it. Yeah, everyone. Not just your Christian brother that lives next door or that goes to your church. Everyone. That's to get outside of your mess, think about them, right? So what happens is we focus in on our mess and we forget to focus in on God. We forget to focus on our neighbors and then our mess seems to get messier, doesn't it? We seem to get more broken over time. If we will focus on Jesus, loving him, and then once we've figured out how to do that, focus on our neighbors, right? Then God is free to do what he needs to do in you to clean you up because you're not trying to fix it. You're walking with your neighbor in their mess. You're walking with your neighbor in their stuff, and you're walking with God in all that he's called you to do. You're doing the things he's called you to do. Stop focusing on your mess and start focusing on Jesus and your neighbor. I don't, I don't, I don't mean be that neighbor. I'm not talking about that. You know what I'm talking about. Don't be that neighbor. I'm saying love your neighbor. Love them. When we do that, all the power that is God, all the preexistence that is God, all of the uncaused first cause that is God 
is able to work in your life and change who you are. Focus on him. Focus on loving your neighbor as yourself. The purpose of John 1, 1 through 5 is to reveal the incarnation that is Jesus, that is God, that is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This idea that God left heaven and came down to earth to rescue his people from eternal damnation. The question is, if that's true, what do you do with the knowledge that the all-powerful creator of everything is out to get you.